Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We have been doing a series on spiritual warfare, and we have come to the place where we are now going to be looking at the sword of the Spirit. It is the sixth piece of armor, and I'd like to begin with a quote from William Hendrickson, who writes, We have been studying those weapons that are generally included under the heading defensive armor. Now, I want you to notice the word generally. Okay, because we have shown you how to take your helmet and throw it at the devil and your shoes. And <laughs> hey, man, anything that comes off, you can throw at him and, you know, hurt him. But, okay, but under the general heading, okay, of defensive armor. We have seen, however, that though in physical warfare, this description may be entirely adequate, in spiritual combat, it hardly reaches far enough. Even truthfulness or integrity, the belt, is not exclusively defensive. It captivates. Righteousness, the breastplate, not only serves as a protection, it also wins the neighbor for Christ that God may be glorified. The peace that provides readiness for the spiritual battle, the shoes, furnishes both time and energy for invading the enemy's domain and robbing him of the spoils he has stolen. Faith, the shield, overcomes the world, recapturing the lost. And salvation, the helmet, sings its way into the enemy's prison camp, setting the prisoners free. But although all this is undoubtedly true, nevertheless the most conspicuously offensive weapon, offensive both in physical and spiritual combat, is certainly the sword. And so we now come to the sixth piece of invincible armor, and that's the last piece that we are to take. With the Apostle Paul saying here in the latter half of verse 17, that's Ephesians 6, 17, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken. I'm going to add that word in there because you need to understand. It's not just the general word. It is the spoken word or rhema of God. Now, he says to take it because not many take it. To take it requires effort. To take it requires you to come to church, listen to the Word, to actually take it on board, to actually memorize it, meditate on it, allow it to find its way into your heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, declare. Amen? You see, that's where the Word becomes powerful. It's the Word coming out of your mouth from your heart. Not from a head that's really hoping something's going to happen. <laughs> okay? Some people use the word, they say, peace, be still. God, I hope that works. <laughs> no, you know, that's not going to work. Just because you say the words and you put some oomph into it. This is not about acting. Amen? This is about a release of power. Your words need to release what's in your heart. Not try to convince your heart of something. The convincing part is on the front end. It's called meditation. Okay, so if you are having trouble with what Jesus said, He said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says will come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. So it's only because you believe... What you say comes to pass. If you are thinking of that statement and thinking, and shall not doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt, don't doubt. This is not the time. You're not ready. Don't go into that fight. It's not going to end well for you. Then you're going to advertise to everybody how you used the word and it didn't work. 
Then you have a doctrine, then you write a book, then you start your own denomination. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it goes on and on. <laughs> but we, we have to be so careful that we don't decide how effective the Word of God is based on our experience. Amen? If you want to go check it out, go into the Word and see what it has to say about itself. Now, one of the things that you need to do, as I said before, and we'll get into this, is you do need to take time to meditate on the Word, which means you need to speak that Word into your heart. For example, I can do all things. Can, let me pick one that is good for everyone. Okay? The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That may start out itty bitty. And the, the all things could be just one or two little things. Through Christ who strengthens me. But as you speak that word into your heart, as you meditate upon that word, as you start to look at every single word in that statement, it becomes rhema to you. You begin with I. That's not my dad, my mom, you know, my wife. She does all the praying. <laughs> okay? That's I. So you begin with, hey, this is about me. And then you look at the word can. You know, there's a lot of I can'ts in my life. I've got to start changing all the can'ts into can. Do you see what I'm saying? And so you look at that and say, this is about me doing things. I can. So there's my attitude from now on. Whenever I run into something, and my first thought is, oh, I can't. No, the Bible says, I can. Let's begin there. And what's after the can? Do. Amen. I can do this thing. Which means, God will help me wherever I can't. Because the end bit says, through Christ. Okay, so we're jumping a little bit to the end there. <laughs> Some days that happens. Alright, okay. But you need to understand that you begin with, I can do. Boy, that itself will change your life. That itself will take you from wherever you are right now to a higher level. Can I say that? The I can do attitude. And people are looking for the I can do attitude. Not the I can't. And here is a list of reasons why. Nobody cares about your list. Go somewhere else. We need I can do's. Can I get amen on that? You understand what I'm trying to say? Okay, okay. The counselor will handle your list. But right now we need people to work. We need people to do. Amen. And you see how this is working. This is the rhema. This is the sword of the spirit. And you keep going, I can do all things. Wow. Now there's a big statement. So you change your attitude from I can't do to I can do. Now what can you do? Uh, all is a very big word suddenly. You know, we want to say I can do most things that I want to do through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> hey man, come on. If you want to do it, you'll do it. If you don't want to do it, I can't do that. I, I just don't have it in me. Well, do you not have Jesus in you? Not that much. <laughs> okay? You need to understand. The Bible doesn't put any limitations on it. You do. And see, then we take those limitations and put it on everyone else. Our kids, our wife, you know. And if they ever go beyond your limitation, oh, they're nuts. Have you noticed the only people that are nutty are the people that are beyond you? I mean, there are some people that are real nutballs, but okay, we're not talking about those nutballs. Right? <laughs> but if somebody can believe beyond you, 
Then suddenly they're not, you know, they're like, oh, they're a religious fanatic. No, that's, it's funny how you go to them when you need prayer, but understand something, even though they may not understand you, they know there is something powerful there. There's something that works. And they may not want to, and this is the sad thing, they may not want to believe what you believe, but they want the results that you get. Amen? You just keep at it. And in time, they'll get tired of their I can't do attitude, and they'll come aboard. How's that going to happen? Pray. (laughs) The verse following this says, praying always with all manner of prayer. I mean, that's every kind of prayer. Amen? And you just hammer away. Hallelujah. Okay, let's move on, because I have a lot to share with you. And he says here again, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. Now, first of all, to understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, I want to look at the sword that he's making mention of. I'll very quickly go through the kind of swords that they had in the day, because Otherwise, you don't understand a lot of what is written regarding the sword in the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 4, we don't understand what it's talking about. The Word of God is quick, is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. What is this two-edged sword that they're talking about? Let's have a look at this very briefly. The Roman army had five different kinds of swords. The first was a broad and heavy and very clumsy sword. Because it was just too much to swing, you know. It swung you more than you swung it. Which, <laughs> which gave rise to the next sword, which was shorter, lighter, and narrow. And therefore a lot more popular. Then came another one after that. The smallest one of all, which is more of a dagger. And the one that the infantry used was very much then like a fencing sword. So we have the big broadsword, then we had a smaller one, then we had the dagger, then we have the kind that the Roman infantry used, which is very much like a fencing sword. But finally came the sword that the Apostle Paul was talking about, which was the most dangerous of the five swords that the Roman soldier carried. Rick Renner describes this best in his commentary when he says, this particular word for sword used in this text is taken from the Greek word M-A-C-H-A-I-R-A, however you want to say that. This brutal weapon of murder was approximately 19 inches long and was razor sharp on both sides of the blade. Because both sides of the sword were razor sharp, it was much more dangerous than the other swords. The very end of the sword turned up, so it had a little kink in it, okay? Causing the point of the blade to be extremely sharp and deadly. This two-edged blade inflicted a wound far worse than the other swords. Now, I had to edit a little bit out because I knew the audience that we'd have. So, I want you to leave some of it to your imagination. Okay? I'm taking things out. You add them in your mind. Before the Roman soldier withdrew this particular sword from his enemy, he gave it a twist. There's lots of bits in there. As he pulled the sword from his enemy's body which was devastating to the enemy's insides. Of all the swords available, this was the most dangerous sword of all, and a terror to the imagination. The word of God meditated upon, I said this before, and released from your mouth, out of your heart, is just as brutal and able to rip our enemy to shreds. We need to understand that that's the kind of wound we inflict on the enemy whenever we speak the word, out of our heart. 
Amen? Not the one that we are trying to believe, but the one that we believe and we release. Amen? God watches over His Word to perform it. So, that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight. Once you release that Word, believe and receive and know that it's been taken care of. You don't have to see it to know. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need to be able to release it and know that God is on the case. Amen. And if you're having a problem with that, spend a little bit more time in prayer. Spend a little bit more time in the Word of God. Somewhere there is a break. Amen. This should flow seamlessly. Next, let's take a closer look at what specific word the Apostle Paul is referring to. I want to give you insights into this before you leave, so you know exactly what you need to do. Amen? Uh, A lot of people speak of this so generally, and information is great, but you need revelation. You need inspiration. So, let me begin with another quote here by John MacArthur. He says, The term Paul uses here for word is not logos, which refers to general statements or messages, but rhema, which refers to individual words or particular statements. The Apostle Paul is therefore not talking here about general knowledge of Scripture, but is emphasizing the precision that comes by knowledge and understanding of specific truths. Let's stop here for a minute. This is, this is key. A lot of people like to boast that they've read their Bible six times every year. You know what? That will not defeat the enemy. I want to shock you a little bit now. <laughs> okay. It is better to know a little bit of Rhema than a whole bunch of Logos. Okay. People know a lot of stuff in their head. They have a lot of knowledge of Scripture. But there's no word in their heart. There are no swords in the armory. It's empty. And it confuses people when they say, well, that person knows all this scripture and they're still living a defeated life. What's the point in becoming a Christian? It can be very confusing because they don't understand the difference. I have seen people who know a little bit, but they know it really well. Do all kinds of damage to the kingdom of darkness. While all these people that walk around with their little, you know, university kind of hats on their head. With the little tassel hanging. And they've been to six million Bible schools. And they've got their doctorates and their PhDs and everything. And written six books. All right? You know, one of those people that just, that just knows everything in their head. But boy, any storm come along and they run to the bottom of the boat and hide. And when it clears, they come out going, yeah, I knew it was going to be... No, (laughs) okay? You know what I'm trying to say. Listen, God doesn't want people full of knowledge, full of logos in their life. He wants people with rhema in their life. Spoken word that has power in it. The reason I'm saying that is this. I take a little bit of time sometimes with things. You know, this series on spiritual warfare is taking a little while to get through. But the reason is, I don't want to give you Logos, I want to give you Rhema. I want every word that is spoken to become real to you, powerful in your life. Okay, so you can't say you've read the Bible six times in the year. That doesn't matter. What have you used from the Bible to bring things to pass in your life and other people's life? That's what we want to know. 
Is the thing working? Amen? See, one has to do with pride. The other one has to do with power. Forget the pride. Go with the power. It moves mountains. It changes things. It brings the kingdom of God into this earth. That was the whole point of what Jesus did, was to get the kingdom here. Amen? These signs will follow those who believe. That's the kingdom coming to pass. That is this word, this sword, being applied to the enemy's territory, to the enemy himself. Amen? In the New Testament, the Greek word carries the idea of a quickened word, such as a word of scripture or a word from the Lord, that the Holy Spirit supernaturally drops into our heart, causing it to come alive and impart supernatural strength to the believer. This is the reason why prayer is important. I don't mean religious prayer. The bending of the knees and the crossing of the fingers. <laughs> okay? Forget all of that. We should be praying all the time. The Bible says, pray always. You see, our whole life should be prayer. Not religious, prayer. Our whole life should be a communication with God. All the time, God should be saying, Oh, hang on a second, step back for a minute. And the dumb person in the car just, you know, just, when it rains and there's puddles, drive slowly over the puddle. Okay, someone, some people want to see how fast they can get past that puddle. And all the people standing on either side get that shower that they didn't intend to take that day. From head to toe. Then out of the mouth <laughs> comes <laughs> stuff you have to repent over. <laughs> Pray always. Because you don't know what's waiting for you out there. You need to be in constant communication with God. And can I say this? As you are praying always, that's the place where God will reveal to you things on a continual basis. Amen? You know, you get to know things about people, about situations, all the time. Because you're just keeping in touch with God. And God, He wants to say things. Do you know, the problem isn't, God doesn't talk to me. The problem is, we don't sit still long enough to listen. He is broadcasting 24-7. You understand that term? Okay. He's talking all the time. He has so much to give. The problem with us is, we're so busy living our life, we don't have time to stop and listen. Then we have the audacity to say to him when something goes wrong, Why didn't you tell me? If we could only see in the spirit, we'd see a megaphone in your ear. And you have the goal to say, Why didn't you tell me? Hello. Moving on. Not a popular message. Alright. <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit. That will quicken this word. You see, as you think about the word of God, as you meditate upon it, as you centralize it in your life, which means you might have to take a few things out of your life to put it in the center. Everything should revolve around it, not it revolve around everything else. When you do that, the Spirit will start to reveal things to you. You see, we need to understand that we're not on this earth to make a living, finish it all off, and go to heaven. We have been given armor to conquer. Yeah, we're here to do a job. Now, you have been given specific talents in different areas. It allows you access to people that I don't have access to. Amen? It allows you to be places. Do you know your job allows you to be 
in very unique and very special places. And therefore, you can be the light in that place. Amen? And if you are the light, and let me tell you what lights do. They don't strain to give out light. Okay? They just shine. Wherever they go, they just shine. And they're not aware that they're shining most of the time. They're just being themselves. But themselves are becoming more and more like Christ. Amen. And so the more like Christ they become, the more they're shining. Remember Christ on the mountaintop? Peter, James, and John? Woohoo, Lord, let's stay here. No, okay? <laughs> they were happy with that event. But that was why the Apostle Paul said that we are to become this glorious church. If I was to describe Jesus on the mountain, the word I would use will be glory. And he's telling us we are to be the same way. God is looking for that kind of church. Not just that kind of one Jesus, but a whole bunch of us. We are all Christ's. Amen? And we are meant to be walking in that glory. Can you imagine the reaction that we will get from people as that begins to happen in our life? And I believe that will happen. Jesus died so it could happen. But it's up to us to appropriate it in our life. If we reject it and we just push it aside. See, this is the war that we're in right now. Let me just share this with you as well. We are in a war against mediocrity. Against average. We're in a war against this is just how it is. Where people can't tell the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. That's the war we're in. You know when Jesus was walking the earth... He really stood out. <laughs> Can I say that? He really stayed. either loved him or hated him. There was no middle ground with him. <laughs> okay? You either loved him, received what he said, and became a better person, or you rejected him, held on to all the evil and the darkness in your life, and became worse. He didn't give you a choice. He didn't say, oh, you know, it's all the same. Don't worry about it. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, but no, there's no but. With him, it was, that was it. The only way to the Father. You know, when people say, well, you know, we believe Jesus was a good guy. But, you know, we, we, we don't want to go beyond that. Can I just, good people don't lie? And good people don't make comments like that, because that's insanity. If I got up today and I said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, uh, you'd all leave. I would leave, no. <laughs> I think, oh, nutball, nutball, let's go, okay. Thinks he's the Messiah. You cannot attribute the title good person to Jesus when he makes statements like that. When he says, I am the only way to God. He's either lying or he's a lunatic. Or he's actually who he says he is. So if you look at the rest of his life, you know, he healed them all. He cast out demons with a word. Lunatics and liars can't do that. Nicodemus said, we know you're from God because of what you do. So you need to come to the same conclusion. He must be from God because of what... So if he says he's the only way, then he's the only way. There's no negotiation with that one. Amen? That is a revelation of that verse. That's the rhema of that verse. Are you understanding now? That's what makes it powerful. 
Amen? This is what you need in your life. You need the Word of God revealed so that you can take that sword and begin to use it in the right way. Not to attack people with, <laughs> okay? But to help them and to bless them. Your enemy isn't the person. Your enemy is the devil that's influencing the person. You want to take that sword, you use it on the enemy. That's why this concludes with praying always. With all manner of prayer. And it goes into detail after that. But you need to understand that when people do the wrong thing, our sword isn't, we tell them off. We need to learn that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers and rulers and all of that stuff. Our fight is there, not here. And the more you fight down here, the less you're affecting that. And that is allowed to work without any kind of resistance. Amen? And so we get mad with people, and we attack people, and that thing can bring all kinds of... It's got all kinds of resources that it can pull on to bring against you. Amen? This is where the rhema kicks in. This is when you take that word, you point it at the devil, and you attack him with it. And you push that sword in, and you twist it, and you pull it out, and you do whatever you need to do. Amen. And when he says, there's no way you're going to get through this. That's when you say, greater is he that is in me, not in you. Because you rebelled. You lost it all. I got it. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> okay? Hey man, you see, this is, you understand the rhema now. Like I said, it is about knowing the word. You need to know specific words. We're going to look at a situation in Luke chapter 4 next week where Jesus did exactly that when the devil came to tempt him. We are going to see how the sword can do two things it can defend and attack. See, a lot of times we look at the sword and think, oh, we're, all we're doing is attacking. Dude, the other guy has a sword too. <laughs> okay? So you need to learn how to use your sword to defend against attacks by other swords. When the devil says, it is written, you need to say, it is also written. Get it? Defense. We'll talk about all of that next week. Next exciting episode of now. <laughs> it's like the movies, you know. <laughs> they leave you hanging on the cliff or something. <laughs> we, we have run out of time, so uh, I want to conclude here for today. I pray that you understand. I don't want to give you too much. I need you to understand how this works. I need you to understand when the Apostle Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that he's not telling you to take your whole Bible and throw it at somebody. Okay? He's asking you to take the word from within its pages, meditate on it, put it in your heart, and release it out of your mouth at the right time. It needs to be the right word. When you need healing, you don't need the Lord is my shepherd. You need the Lord is my healer. Appropriate word at appropriate times. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.